0: In a time like this, you could think carefully, not only about your expenses, but about your earning. Is your job coming back? Is your industry coming back? How are you going to take control? You get these five to 10 things right. The rest of it is details. It's minutiae.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I cannot wait for you to hear this episode because I am sitting down with financial guru, Ramit Sethi. Now, you guys probably already know who he is, but if you don't, he's the New York Times bestselling author, and founder of I Will Teach You To Be Rich. This book, I remember when it came out in 2009, everyone went wild over it and he just re-released it in 2019 and everyone's going wild over it again because it's a great book for teaching you the fundamentals of living a rich life, not just financially, but in many ways. And one of the things that I love about Ramit is we both share a common passion for giving. And so in this episode, you're gonna hear several ways on how he is giving as we face this current challenge that all of us are newly facing with the coronavirus and the coronavirus economy. As a matter of fact, there's nobody better for me to sit down and talk to right now and for you to listen to right now than Ramit, because this conversation is about how you can pivot and make money in this challenging economy, what to expect with this challenging economy, how long it's gonna last, and how you can create products and make money out of any expertise that you have so that your family can be financially free as we are all going through this pivot. You're going to love his stories of giving. You're going to love his stories of perseverance. And best of all, we're doing a fun giveaway at the end of this episode. So listen up, take notes, because this episode is so dang valuable. All right. Ramit, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I would say of all the guests I've ever had, this is one of the most timely guests. And this is going to offer a ton of value for people who have a lot of uncertainty right now around some times that we're facing. So I know how generous this is with your time and I thank you for it.
0: That's my pleasure to be here.
1: So I always kick things off with a round of rapid fire. It's kind of a fun way for my guests to get to know you in a hurry. And if something really good comes up, we'll We'll circle back around and make sure that we touch on it. Are you down? I'm ready. Okay, we're gonna start so easy. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Northern California. And where do
0: you live now? I live in Manhattan. All right. Favorite quote. Favorite quote. That is not an easy one. I know. I'm gonna have to come back to that. That's a tough one.
1: I'm come back to that. You're the second person in a row to come back to us. So don't feel bad. Uh, what okay. is one of your superpowers? Uh, one of my superpowers is knowing how to
0: iron clothes extremely well. Dude, I'm good at that too. I'm not kidding. It's the weirdest thing ever. We're the only two people in America that.
1: <laughs> it came from my <laughs> days on the road in corporate America when I had to wear like a suit and stuff, yes. and it always get kind of beefed up on the road. So I just had to learn how to iron well with bad irons and bad ironing boards. Oh, yes. Oh my god, I That's- love it. Okay, A couple more here. What's one of your favorite books besides your own that we'll talk about?
0: One of my favorite books is *The Social Animal* by Elliot Aronson, a social psychologist. I love it, it. and it talks about it. It really gives you a deep dive into human behavior, which hopefully we will talk about today.
1: Yes, especially related to money. What is one of your all-time favorite accomplishments this far?
0: Um, One of my favorite all-time accomplishments is uh, building my business in a way that I always wanted to build it. Mm, So that means. I didn't raise venture capital funding. I bootstrapped it 100%. I don't allow people who have credit card debt to join my flagship programs, the really expensive ones. I tell them they should use my material, get my book from the library, use my free blog posts. And when the time is right, come back because we will be here. I love that that decision. It's cost us millions of dollars per year, but I think it's the right thing to do.
1: We're definitely going to circle back around on that because I absolutely love that bold stance that you take. Thank you. What is something generous that you've done recently?
0: Um, There are some people in our lives who are having financial trouble, especially right now. And we quietly help them Mm -hmm. out. And we don't need to make a big deal of it. But it's something that we are fortunately able to do. And it feels good to be able to do it.
1: I love that. And last but not least, what are you grateful for today? I'm grateful to be healthy right now. Do I dare circle back on the favorite quote? Uh no I haven't come
0: okay I guess I'm really slow I'm your slowest guest because I have not come up with that quote no that's
1: okay man I'll tell you what the fact you that you're grateful, stumped me the fact that you're grateful to be healthy today is a beautiful note for us to wrap up uh, yep. rapid fire on because it's not okay. that the truth like we are all facing unprecedented times right now and to have our health first and foremost everything else is figure outable to steal a term from, I believe it's Marie Forleo, right? Everything else is yep. outable. So if you got your health, you, you've got everything else. Let's dive a little bit deeper in the interview. Um, and I want to start by kind of framing you for a lot of the listeners. And that is, you're a different kind of financial coach than what a lot of people are out there. In other words, I'm going to use a quote from you to explain what I mean. Um, you said, while I was studying psychology and human behavior at Stanford... I saw all these tips from financial experts that they kept throwing around like, keep a budget, stop spending money on lattes, you know, cut back, cut back, cut back. And you realized that most of it didn't make sense. Could you explain why this advice didn't make sense to you?
0: Most of the advice we hear out there starts with the word no. No, don't buy lattes. No, don't buy jeans. No, don't go on vacation. And if you are lucky, maybe by the time you're 80 years old, you can... Uh, pull yourself up from your cave that you now live in and go enjoy life. It's just not the kind of life I wanted to live. I wanted to go out with my friends. I wanted to be able to pick up the tab once in a while. I wanted to be able to travel without uh, sorting by a number of stops or price. I just wanted to go. And a rich life for me was not using cost as my primary decision-making tool. Now, there are areas in life that I uh, cut back mercilessly on. Like my computer is seven or eight years old. I just don't care. It works. But there are areas that I spend extravagantly on, like traveling, like uh, uh, giving back to my team, and and clothes. I actually love clothes. I really enjoy spending money there. So what I decided to do is create a different philosophy on money. Instead of focusing on $3 questions, I believe most of us should be asking $30,000 questions. And if we get the big wins right, those five or 10 big wins, you can buy all the lattes, all the desserts, all the appetizers you want because the big wins are the things that make the difference. The $3
1: questions do not. Ramit, first of all, I happen to agree with you, right? I am one of these anti- cut back until you have nothing left. And hopefully when you're old and ready to retire, you have a nice nest egg. So I'm with you on this, but I've never heard somebody explain it so well and so eloquently as simple as stop asking $3 questions, start asking $30,000 questions, and that's how you get there.
0: Yeah, most of us are not taught that. We are instead dragged down in the weeds. And so what happens, we go to the grocery store, we feel guilty. We start saying stuff like, oh, I'm being bad. Why? Why are you even thinking about $3 questions? Why are we even talking about this? You could save $3 a day sporadically for the next 30 years because you and I know that you're still buying coffee. You just feel bad. And guess what? You end up nowhere. You end up spinning your wheels. Whereas if you did a few things that are important and you did them right, you could do them once. You don't have to think about them more than every 6 to 12 months, like automating your investing getting the correct asset allocation. How many of these people talking about coffee, drinks, even know what asset allocation means? None of them. You could get a great job. In a time like this, you could think carefully, not only about your expenses, but about your earning. Is your job coming back? Is your industry coming back? How are you going to take control? You get these five to 10 things right. The rest of it is details. It's minutiae. That's what I choose to focus on with I Will Teach You To Be Rich.
1: Man, I love that. Okay, we're totally I and I. So what's your message? to these financial gurus out there that have millions of eyeballs that want people to live a life of cutting back to almost unrealistic means in order to get ahead?
0: We have to start by understanding why this message is so prevalent among American society. Let's go all the way back. First of all, we have a uh, very puritanical society. Let's restrict ourselves and not be bad. This is from the beginning of this country. Mm -hmm. So we have lots of weird things that are austerity measures that uh, come out in the oddest of ways. Oh, you shouldn't do that. Uh, Don't get too big for your britches. Oh, that's not for people like you and me. How many of these phrases have been uttered around our dinner table by maybe our parents? We don't even know where they got it from. So these money messages cut deep down to the cultural level. That's number one. Number two, by definition, most people are not... Uh, focused on growth because most people are not investing. They're not earning high wages, especially now. So we do need to acknowledge there are some real systemic problems. Look at the amount of money going to student loan debt for people today versus 30 years ago. Don't tell me people are just spending money on avocado toast. That's reductionist. Let's get real. Now, then there are more lessons. If you go online and search for money, or frankly, I've been on all the major media, Today Show, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, guess what gets the most play? Guess what's at the top of any media articles right now? I don't know. How how this couple saved $13 on their last uh, trip to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, the media treats people like they are stupid. And I don't think people are stupid. I actually think people are very smart. But what is a palatable message is different than what people need to hear. I'll give you one final example. I went on book tour in 2009. 2009, horrible time Mm -hmm. talking about money. It was a massive recession. I went to all these different cities. And I'm in these local news organizations and 10 minutes to air. And they're asking me, okay, what are you going to talk about? I said, look, I want to talk about how to earn money right now, how to automate your money, how to invest, and even how to grow your income. They looked at me like I was a Martian. They said, dude, do you understand there's 10% unemployment right now? I said, yes, I understand that. And I'll give you a couple tips to save money on your Clorox bleach wipes, okay? But there's most people have a job and most people still are smart and they want to grow. And they did not like that message. That's why I prefer to go straight to, to the people.
1: Yeah.
0: That's what that's why people are listening to you because they want authentic advice, not what's been sort of created to generate page views. And that's why this approach is very different. But my students' results speak for themselves.
1: I absolutely love it, man. And you, know, you said something earlier during Rapid Fire. You said that you prohibit anybody with credit card debt from joining your premium materials, your premium higher-priced products. And yeah. this is a decision that costs you millions of dollars every single year. Every year. Yeah. What, what made you take this stance?
0: I have a, so I studied persuasion at Stanford. And along with studying persuasion and social influence, I studied ethics. And my, when you get into persuasion and when you get good at persuasion, you realize it can be used for good and it can also be used in nefarious ways. As recently as today, somebody sent me a note talking about how elderberry is a natural antiviral medicine for coronavirus. I lost it on them. I, I I honestly, I was so disgusted. My ethical barometer that I learned at Stanford and I have practiced ever since is if somebody had all the information and motivation in the world, would they make this decision? So I'll give you an example. Let's say that you have been um, trying to start a business on your own for the last two years. You've got a full-time job. You're paid well. You've got money in savings. And you just can't figure out how to crack the code of what idea to pursue or how to launch your product or what to charge. Would you, if you understood all the information out there about starting a business and you were motivated to take action, would you do it? Yes, I believe you would. If you've struggled, but you really want to start a business. So it is ethically permissible. It's actually our duty to convince you why our material works because we know our products work. We have over 42,000 customers. Now, on the other hand, Let's say you've got $18,000 in credit card debt. You've got an interest rate of 14.99%. You don't understand how 14.99% compounds, but I do. Now, if you had the information I had about how long it will take you to pay that off by paying the minimum, would you still spend $2,000 on a business program? No. The problem is, is that these unscrupulous marketers prey on you. And they say things like, well uh you can find a way and you call up your call, call up your friends call up your family stop paying rent no that's wrong so i made a decision and it costs us money but i also believe it gets us better clients our business is happier for it we can sleep at night and that's why we've been around for over 15 years.
1: yeah yeah you're playing you're playing the long game you're not in this to say can i do a million dollar launch can i do a 10 million dollar launch you're playing the long game and doing what's right serving in a way that's right and in the long run, that's a sustainable and thriving business model every single time.
0: It, 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 that's exactly it. And again, you have to start from the premise that people are smart. Yeah. You have to start because you, you can write any copy, you can make some offer that gets people to buy once, but people are smart. They will refund and they will never come back and your reputation will be ruined. Yep. So you can see my approach is different from everything from personal finance and automation and psychology, but also to running a business. And you know what? It's not for everybody. There are groups of people that they just don't resonate with the language or the examples. If you have somebody who's got four kids living in the Midwest, my example of wanting to buy a round of drinks for my friends, it's not resonant at all. It makes no sense. But if you happen to live, for example, in New York or LA or frankly, Denver, Austin, Texas, all of Chicago, Dallas, and you're listening, you say, Wow, I've never heard someone talk about money like this. I've never heard someone say money should start with the question of what do you want to spend it on? And not just a little, but what do you want to spend extravagantly on? Wow, I've never heard someone talk about it. that's my customer. That's the person that I'm trying to serve for the next 25 years.
1: Okay, so first of all, I agree with you and I love this and I support this. And this is one of the reasons that I'm just such a fan of the way you show up in life right? with this integrity. I do want to play devil's advocate only for those that are wondering this question as they're listening. And that is, what if somebody has credit card debt, but Mm -hmm. they know that your program would be able to set them financially free because of what's taught in there?
0: They're not allowed to join. And if we find out they join, we refund their money and then we ban them for life. That's amazing. And we've We've done this to, I don't know if the number is hundreds or thousands of people. I think it's hundreds. But what we do is we have the carrot and the stick approach. Okay. I I actually, when I started this off, people got really, really angry. If there's one thing Americans don't like, it's being told what they can't do with their money. And I did not expect that level of vitriol. So I had to take time to develop the carrot. I tell them is, look, this is why I'm doing it. If you have credit card debt, your first priority should be to pay that off. Do not. This business stuff is hard. It takes time. And if every month you're looking at a credit card bill coming in, maybe your spouse is breathing down your neck. That is not a successful place to start a business. This is hard. It takes time. Nobody can just turn around and, and start printing money. That's a lie. The second part... So the, the carrot is, use my free material. If you want to get a chapter from my book, get it, get it from the library. Pay it off. There are lots of ways to pay off your debt. We show you how to negotiate, how to get your interest rates lowered even sometimes. There are lots of things. The stick is, if you join and we find out, we will ban you for life. Wow. And wow. so that's a carrot and stick. And again, it's not for everybody. But that's the way we chose to run our business.
1: It's, it's absolutely amazing. So let me shift gears a little bit. Speaking of running business, you know, here we are in unprecedented times uh, we're facing the challenge of the coronavirus spreading rapidly and what it's going to do to the economy. And all the way back in 2009, you already referenced it, uh, when we were also facing challenging times, you wrote the New York Times bestseller, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Matter of fact, you just released a revised version of that book that everyone needs to go grab, in my opinion. What is your definition of rich today, literally today, as okay. we enter this era of uncertainty? Um, Rich is
0: being able to first have, the for me, at this moment in time, Rich is being able to have the mental space to carefully analyze what's going on. Not out of fear, but out of preparation. Rich is being able to make a decision. And Rich is being able to use money to support that decision. Mm. So before this became serious, I took a look around and I realized, this is going to get bad, especially in Manhattan. We need to get out of here. And that is exactly what we did. And when we did it, it was so early on in the process that a lot of my friends and others thought, this is pretty crazy. And as quickly as four days later, things really changed. So that is not not just a money issue. Money helps, but it's really about having the mental space to carefully look and decide and analyze what's going on. In life, I've discovered, um, in times of crisis, our natural tendency is to freeze. And if you think about it, if you're driving down the freeway and you see a tire coming towards you, what's the first thing you do on the freeway? Slam on those brakes. That makes sense when you're driving down the freeway. Because usually stopping is safety. But in times like this, stopping is death. Or it can be. And so movement and making the right decisions is critical. And so that's, you know, I wrote a post called Panic is Bad, but Overreaction is Good. And I want people to stop waiting. Don't wait for your boss to tell you what's going to happen. Your boss doesn't know. Don't wait for the president to tell you. He certainly doesn't know. Don't wait. It's time to take action. So a rich life is being able to analyze that and make those decisions. And the money part is the least of it.
1: It's really amazing because I've always said that choice is one of the best things that money can buy. But you just really expanded that for me right here in the moment that money is a component of choice but so is intelligence so is health so is like being up to speed with what your best options are right now there's so many things that go into choice being one of the great riches
0: yeah and and, and let's expand that for people who you know the time has passed so let's talk about what we can do now for folks who have families And if you, in fact, I'm doing, I'm doing these fireside chats every night since this has started until it's over. And tonight I'm talking about how to convince our parents to take coronavirus seriously. And one of the things that we see from a lot of my readers is they're like my mom, or usually it's my dad keeps going into work. Now money can allow you to tell your dad or your mom, stop going into work. Stop worrying about money. It's not about money. We have enough. I will take care of you. I need you to stay home and stay safe. Don't go out for groceries. I'm having it delivered tomorrow. These are the kind of things that, yes, they require money, but they also require generosity and they also require thoughtfulness. So that is what I'm really encouraging people. You know, In my day-to-day, and if you read my book, you're going to learn about automation, investments, uh, target date funds, and Roth IRAs, all that stuff. And it's automated. It's a beautiful system. The question now is, how do we get outside of the spreadsheet and really use our money to live a rich life. For most of us today, it's about health. Soon, I hope it will be back to growth.
1: You said it well. I mean, as we speak right now, we're in the very beginning of locking down cities and a whole nine yards due to coronavirus. And people are really worried. They're worried, of course, about their health, but maybe even more so about their money and their jobs and how they're going to stay in their homes. What is your true take on what we are facing over the next three months. Let's start there because I know it's a much longer duration than that. But what are we facing over the next three months as an economy?
0: I think it's going to get much worse than people think. And the early numbers are um, beyond anything anyone has ever seen in this country. So I, I would say three things as it relates to your money right now. The first thing is that I would encourage everyone to create a one-year emergency fund if you don't already have it. And that's more than most recommend. But right now, money in the pocket is worth more than a future amount of potential money you could have. So specifically, figure out how much you need just to live. And I really mean that. If you or your partner loses your job, HBO is gone. Your Peloton... I had a guy today write me. He's like, I have 50K of debt. I'm kind of concerned. I don't have any uh, savings. Uh, I'm paying off this and that and my Peloton. I'm like, return your Peloton. It's, what are you doing? It, it, people are... you know, They create these emergency funds. I'm like, it's emergency time. Mm-hmm. Take it seriously. So a one-year uh, emergency fund. If you have investments you've been funding, like a 401k, and you don't have a one-year fund, pause your investments. Redirect that to cash cancel anything long-term vacations, weddings, time to cancel it. If you have to pay 50% more later, fine. Deal with it later. Right now, get the cash. And finally, here's something a lot of people don't do. Call up anyone you owe money to, credit card companies, student loan companies. My students are having mixed success. A lot of them are actually extending their payment terms, saving them 600 bucks a month. Wow. So that's number one. Number two, if you already have that, keep investing. And number three, Start thinking about earning more, whether it's starting a business, switching careers. That is something that no one is yet thinking about, but we need to start doing it right now.
1: Okay, so let's go there once. What should most... And the reason why I say solopreneurs and small businesses is typically that's who's listening. It's 60% yeah. women, 40% men, uh, typically a solopreneur to a you know five-person team. And of course, there's yep. outliers, but that's, that's the meat of, of this listener. So what can they do? They're being forced to come home from work. They're being forced to close their shop. They're being forced to you know, stay at home And while the kids are now home from school. What should most solopreneurs and what yeah. should most small business owners be doing right now? Other okay. than what you just explained in terms of cutting back your budget.
0: So that was all for personal finance. Let's talk about entrepreneurs now. Mm-hmm. So entrepreneurs, listen up. Uh, first thing that you have to remember is that for thousands of years, people have spent money on themselves. They've spent money for entertainment. They've spent money to adorn themselves with all kinds of robes. They've spent money on all kinds of things. And although there is a shock to the system and a deep one, human nature does not change overnight. People will still want to buy clothes, and socks and change their hair. They will still want to design logos. They will still want services. They may change, but they will still want things. So remember that. And I say this because I, I got a DM from a woman that really kind of cut, cut home for me. She said, Ramit, I've been reading your stuff for years. For the last two years, I've been thinking about starting a business. She said, but I'm a full-time nurse. She said, looking back now with all the stuff that's going on, it seems so foolish. What a joke. Thinking about designing logos. Who cares? And I said to her, first of all, I respect that you're in the medical industry and thank you for that. But to someone who needs a logo, it's not foolish. It's actually really serious. And I have needs as a business owner right now that I'm looking to fill. And I need to hire people. And there are a lot of people out there. And it may take a week, a month, more for people to get their heads around it. But we have to remember that our services are needed. Now the, answer, the next step is to accept what's going on and adapt to the situation.
1: How can they pivot? Give me some examples.
0: All right. I have a, a guy, I, one of my students who owns a gym in Chicago. What do you think he did? You got to shut that gym down right away. The guy's gone to online training. And online training doesn't just mean you offer the same services you've offered Forever online. That doesn't work. Now it's about starting with free material. Who are we targeting? Are we targeting moms? Are we targeting dads? Are we targeting work at home because they don't have equipment? Let's start a free challenge. Then it's scaling your business because instead of people paying you, let's say, 100 bucks a month for a gym membership, maybe they're going to pay less, but they're going to have access through text. So these are things that you can do to adapt. I'll tell you what I'm doing in my business. So we have programs that are online, digital. We were fortunate about that. We had events that we were planning to do. We switched those to virtual right away because we suspected it was going to get worse. Then I decided every night, everybody's sitting at home and they are down, depressed, only reading the news. So I said, you know what? The way that I can help is I know how to teach. So every night, I got a fire in this place. I'm doing a fireside chat. Now I want to say first of all I suck at lighting fires. My fires collapse within 10 minutes. So I'm getting a lot of I'm getting a lot of Eagle Scouts telling me how horrible I am. <laughs> Guys, I know I'm horrible. I live in Manhattan. I'm not supposed to know how to light a fire. But every day we talk about something different. What to do with money. Da 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 da. da. I'm not making a cent from it, but the community knows. And if if and when we decide to sell something, we know that our community will support it.
1: It's a great example. Um, There's a lot of people right now that are making a pivot, like you just described. I'm going to use the trainer that you use for, for example. You have a platform that might be really handy right now, and this is not a plug for it. It's right now. I want to expose everything that might help, and it's called Earnable. Who is that platform for? What does it help people do when it comes to a pivot like this?
0: Earnable is a program we have that helps people start and grow a business, and that business can be serving clients. It can be online. It can be creating a digital product. This is what we've done for 15 years. And we did not know when we built it that people would be forced to be working from home. And we created it because this is the kind of business we know how to do, and we've helped thousands of people do it. But now the emails that I'm getting and the DMs I'm getting are saying, look, I don't know when my job's going to reopen, or I think my industry is gone for the next year, like restaurant industries, actors. What can I do? So for folks who are thinking, what should I do? How do I even find an idea? How do I package it up? Who do I find that's going to buy this? And what do I charge them? We answer all those questions in Earnable. We show you how to do it. You can even listen in as I do sales calls. And you can see, where did I go right? Where did I go wrong? And then how can you use that for your new business?
1: How long does it take? So from the time they sign up to the time that they're finally collecting checks?
0: Well, that depends on a lot of things, including their skill level, their idea, how much time they put in. We built it so that if you go through it, you can find your first client in as little as 10 days. But I would not say that that's... If you're coming in to rush because you need money and your back's against the wall, this is not for you. This is hard. It takes time. It's going to take some navigating and some getting a lot of no's. But once you start a business, as you know, It changes everything because you realize you don't have one client, which is your full-time job. You have lots of clients. You've diversified your risk. You can turn up your amount of work. You can make more. And so we have lots of students who make $10,000 and they're happy. Some make $100,000 or $500,000. And then there's the rare ones who go on to make seven figures per year. That's your choice and your ability
1: level. So that's what they're doing to pivot. You just gave an example of what you... uh... You are doing a pivot. You're starting the Fireside Chats on Instagram, by the way. I saw them. Awesome. Love that you're doing that. What Thank a cool you. way to help people focus on something productive and positive yes. uh, as opposed to getting lost in the rabbit hole of the news, right? Um yes. What are you doing business-wise outside mm. of you know leading with great, valuable, free information? What are you doing business-wise to pivot and stay alive over the next year?
0: Okay. So our business... For, first off, I think sometimes when it comes to an emergency... Most of what predicts success was already done before the emergency. So questions like, for a business owner, do you have cash reserves? Do you have a plan? Do you have conservative projections? Those are things that we do operationally, um, ongoing. Um, When this happened, again, I knew it was going to be worse than people were thinking initially. And the reason I knew that, not some secret information I have. I just looked at what was going on in other countries. Right. That's something that as Americans, we tend not to do. We have this superiority complex that drives me insane. It's like, look at the math. It's happening there. It's going to happen here. So let's just, instead of putting our heads in the sand, let's just acknowledge reality. And even if we overreact, the only thing that's going to happen is I'm going to feel a little stupid. Mm -hmm. I'd rather feel stupid than be caught unprepared. So I did a couple of things. For my employees, You know, when something like this happens, your employees, the first thing they wonder is, am I still going to have a job tomorrow? That is number one. So I called them all together. I first of all told them that we should all be very thankful that we have a remote business where we don't have to go into an office. I'm very grateful for that. Second, your health and your family's health comes first. That's the thing. My team might be perfectly healthy, but maybe they have an elderly mother or father that they're going to have to take care of. I told them that effective immediately, we were issuing a $1,000 stipend for anything they needed relating to coronavirus. You want to send groceries to your grandma? Please, bill it to us. And then finally, I told them that what I needed from them was for them to fill out a form, a contingency plan in case they get sick or something happens. So our business knows how to pick up their projects and keep running. We did that. we We just let them know that we're real people. This is not just a faceless business. It's a small business. And if the employees at IWT are taken care of, Then our customers are taken care of. And then whether we take a hit now, which I'm sure we will, we're still going to be around tomorrow.
1: I absolutely love that. First, I I want to congratulate you. I want to commend you. Uh, I want to say it's the coolest idea I have ever heard. So you know, we called our team together, just like you. Small business in the grand scheme of things. Called our team together, said, uh, rest assured, you have a job. Uh, We have more than enough reserves for you to have a job for a year or longer. So that's not going to be an issue. we also said, you have 14 days paid sick leave, even though it's mandated only for companies 50 people and over. You know, We're nowhere near 50 people. Uh, we cool. also said it applies if you have to take care of anybody else. But I didn't think to give them the $1,000 stipend for anything that they deem necessary. So I'm going to follow suit with oh, wow. our team, thanks to your leadership, because it's one of the coolest things I've ever heard.
0: Man, I appreciate that. I mean... Be- <laughs> I did not do it to inspire others. I just did it for my team. But to hear that means a lot. And I appreciate that. I commend you too.
1: Well, I mean, look, that's what happens is once in a while when you're willing to give where giving can be seen, and not all the time, but once in a while when you're willing to give where giving can be seen or heard, it creates inspiration that causes a positive chain reaction of generosity. And so I sit here grateful for the idea. I said, you're grateful that you thought of it first so that I. Can go and do something like that, you know? Yeah,
0: thank you for saying that. And for everybody listening, I think, you know, one thing that I might say is when you, if and when you start your business, as you start to think about earning more, you get to create the kind of business that's right for you. So for some people, they would never do this. That's okay. For others, they're taking it in a whole different direction. I've heard of a couple of CEOs I know who do morning meditations to keep everyone calm. That's not my style. I don't meditate. not going to do that in my business. But you get to create the kind of business you want, whether it's for you. You want to go in the middle of the day, take a walk. Hopefully, as things recover, you want to travel for a month at a time or you want to give a stipend or give something back to your team. That's your choice. And I think that is one of the promises, one of the reasons that I started my business so I could do things
1: my way. Mm, I absolutely love that. Why is generosity so important to you? I want to respect your time. I know we're getting towards the end, but the ethos of this show is giving and you're doing it in such a way. Uh, also, one thing we didn't mention is I read somewhere that you're giving your customers that are on the payment plan a little bit of leeway too.
0: Yeah, we we issued them a two-month grace period if they need it. Because we know in times like this that it can, dollars can be tough. And uh, so we just said proactively, if you need it, tell us. We'd be happy to extend it to you. And I have to tell you that my team was absolutely thrilled to be able to do this. And of course, the customers who got this email... We have a we have an email. They, they uh, collected the feedback that we got because I wanted to take a look. And one of them said, I would like to take advantage of this. We have an illness in our family. The money is going to help us right now. I just wanted to let you know we are customers for life. Wow. And that's... I mean, that's why we do what we do. So um, again, we do this because it's what we want to do. It's the style of, I will teach you to be rich. I think you can hear that this kind of seeps into all parts of the business. So again, I would challenge everyone listening. If you were to create your business from a blank slate, what would you do? Notice that it's so different to ask that question than questions like, Oh my God, is anyone going to buy from me right now? Or no one will pay for my services. You can learn the skills of selling. You can learn the skills of pricing and packaging. I can teach you all that stuff. But start from a place of imagination, both with your money and with your business. I always ask people when I start off, what do you love to spend money on? And we get into this whole discussion about a concept called money dials. That's so different than, you need to stop spending money on lattes. So same thing with earning money. If you decide to earn more, whether it's through finding a different job or starting a business, ask yourself, what happens when I succeed? Not if, because if you give it enough time and attention and skill, you will succeed. What happens? You get to have time with your family. You get to provide security for the people around you. You get to be generous. Get specific. What does that mean? Who are you giving to? How much? Why? How will it make you feel? How will it make them feel? Suddenly, now you have a better blueprint than I get to print money from clients. I find it more meaningful.
1: I love it. Why? Why is this so important to you? Gener- you and I share this ethos, I can tell. And I'm excited for the future, right? As, as we get to know each other and who knows what we're yeah. capable of doing together. But why is it so important to you to lead with generosity like this?
0: Well, I think that um, you know, I grew up in a culture with my parents who are immigrants from India, where we kind of had a community orientation right all the time. So um, you're helping other Indian people, going to temple, things like that. And on top of that, when I applied it to business, what I realized was, by the way, I did not realize this early on. When it was early on, it was just like, how do I find clients? Okay, so I want to be honest about that. When you're starting out, I get that that's the question but after after i got my first 5 clients and 10 clients and 100 clients and then i started to realize oh man it's not magic it's math like we need to write amazing stuff we need to help the people who are already customers we need to grow and it's kind of mathematical at a certain point you realize man an extra dollar 10 dollars 1000 dollars even 10000 dollars is not really going to change life so at that when that happens that's a real moment of reckoning where you start to say all right, I started off for one reason. And now I already won that game. So do I want to just keep playing the same game? Or do I actually want to try to explore the dynamics and the contours of what other games might be? And it's not... I don't like to even use the word game, just layers, levels. So, all right, money. We need money. We need money to live in order to thrive. That's why I wrote my book on personal finance first. But if you're thinking about business family, relationships. At a certain point, Excel is not the right way to look at it. You know, you got to get out of the spreadsheet. And I think that um, if you can start using the money you've got, using the influence you've got to help other people, it's just so much more meaningful to me.
1: I I totally agree. I love that. Uh, Let's do something on that note. Let's give away... I will buy and give away 10 of your latest revised versions of I will teach you to be rich to 10 random people that share this episode on Instagram, tag you and me, and say what their biggest takeaway was. If they were oh, inspired, wow. that's fine. If they learned something, that's fine. If, if they made an adjustment because of something that you led by example, that's fine. Whatever their biggest takeaway was, if they shared on Instagram, tag you and me, I will choose 10 of them and I will send them your newest revised book.
0: That's very generous of you. Thank you.
1: Yeah, totally my pleasure. It's, it's the least I can do uh, as a thank you for the time that you've spent with us, for the knowledge that you've you've given us. So last couple of questions here. Uh, where can we find you? And what should we be plugging into you for the most right now?
0: Mm, okay, thank you for asking. Uh, so if you want to learn about Earnable, you can go to iwt.com slash earn. It's iwt.com slash earn. I'm on Instagram at Ramit. I'm doing fireside chats for as long as this is going on every night. I'm putting them up on YouTube and all that. I'm on Twitter at Ramit. And I think people should come to me if they want to learn about money, psychology, business, or careers. And if you want to learn in an unconventional way, come. I'd love to share what I know. And I'd love to share my students' success with you as well.
1: I love it, Ramit. Thank you a million times over. The last question for you is this: Give us a reason why people should be unapologetic about their pursuit of success.
0: Well, ultimately, um, we can choose to live a life that is guided by other people's expectations and the stories that others have told us, and the stories that we have even believed, or we can create our own stories and. I think that I would rather uh, row my boat in the direction of my choice. I'm going to get it wrong sometimes. I have got it wrong many times, but at least I know I'm paddling in my direction. So that has been my experience. And uh, I'd be curious uh, for anyone listening, if you get on Instagram, tag us all and tell us, is that your experience or not? Because I personally find it pretty
1: fun to to row in my own direction. I love it. All right, guys, you heard them. Get on Instagram, share your takeaway. We're going to give 10 of you his newest revised book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. How timely is that book right now? Everybody should go grab it anyways. And if you're in position to make a pivot right now, I would go check out Earnable at iwt.com forward slash earn. Is that correct? That's right. We'll make sure we have it in the show notes. Ramit, I cannot thank you enough for your time, your knowledge, your guidance, your inspiration during this challenging time. And... uh I just want you to know from from my behalf and and behalf of the the, uh, listeners, we know how grateful we are to have someone like you.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: I appreciate it. Our pleasure.